Canadian, an Aussie, a Russian, Lebanese, Greek, American, can all be in the one house praising God. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that just something else? A miracle. So we'll uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Yeah, being the 27th of December, uh, I've, I've been thinking about how quick the year just flew by. And uh, considering this this the last month of the year, and that four more sleeps and we, we transition to 2024, just been pondering the, the amount of time that we, uh, we've had uh, together and time that we've known the Lord and what I want to share and the subject I'd like to share with us and bring our minds in remembrance this evening is about time, time itself. So we'll look at Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll read our text from verse 17, 15, sorry, to 17. And the Bible says here, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can have to praise your holy name, for indeed, Lord, you're worthy. We're thankful for bringing us together. Thank you for your word, uh, Lord, that instructs us. And do pray that you would uh, be with my mind and with my mouth now as I uh, share from your word and encourage and edify the saints of God. I'm so thankful, uh, Lord, for each and every one of them. And I do pray that you'd bless your word to our hearts. Help us to be attentive, Lord, to not only hear but do uh, what we learn from your word, Father. We thank you and we pray and ask of you with thanksgiving in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we don't often think about time in a renewed sense, but each of us has been given an allotted amount of time given to us by God for a purpose. I'd like us to ponder firstly the fact that time in itself is not certain. Proverbs 27 verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so tomorrow is not even guaranteed for any one of us. Time is uncertain. And secondly, time is limited. Once it's gone, it's it's unrecoverable. Uh, we, we can't buy more of it, but we are spending it every day, every second, every minute. It's spent and it can't be replaced. When you think about material things, they can be replaced if broken or recovered if stolen. You can have insurances and whatnot, but this is not so with time. The commodity of time, once it's gone, it's gone forever. And so our time alive on earth is obviously made up of years and then they're made up of months, made up of weeks to the days and hours and even the very seconds that we have. And so time is to be used wisely. It can be used the opposite too, wasted uh, time. And it can be used foolishly. As in our text, we see the two differences, the, the unwise and the wise use of time. 
And so our life in the Bible is compared, we see, to a flower. A specific type of flower, it's called the corpse flower. It only blooms for just two to three days once every year or two. And you think about that, God compares our lifespan to, to that of a flower. And our lifespan is also compared in the scriptures like grass. It grows in the morning and in the evening it's cut down. It's even compared to sleep in, verse, in Psalm 90. If you, if you have a beautiful sleep all the way through, you get seven, eight hours. There's no way it feels like that long. It feels like that. You just you fall asleep and you wake up. But yet God, this is how he compares a human lifespan to be like sleep. Um, and all these comparisons, they paint a picture for us that time on earth is short. We've got we, we, short time that we have, especially with the perspective of eternity in view. Uh, in thinking about these comparisons leading up to our main passage, we're going to look into this evening. Paul uh, encourages the church to follow after God as dear children in verse 1 of chapter 5. But just from the outset, the way one uses the time that they have determines really whether they're followers of Christ or not. And whether you're foolish or whether you're wise, it really it's demonstrated by the way you use your time. That's what we actually see from this passage. And our spiritual position reflects our practical life and how you use uh, your time. And so your life choices and decisions really manifest who you desire to follow, whether you follow your own heart, your own desires, or whether you follow the Lord. And so it reveals how far or how close you are to, to the Lord himself. And so our main text, having considered these sobering truths in verse 15, Paul begins by saying here, see then, and this word see means to behold, to watch, which is a, a military term, because uh, there's no doubt once someone's born again and saved, they're enlisted in a spiritual warfare, spiritual battle uh, from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of God. And so there's a, there's a military term used, see then. See being as well, meaning beware, to, to, to perceive and regard or take heed. This word see uh, means, see then that you walk. And so we have been born into this spiritual battle, into this family of God, but yet there's sobering uh, ways in which God would have us to live. And this word walk, it means how you live, how you live out your days alive, both in, in private and in public, the way you behave. And it conveys the meaning of, of what you're actually occupied with, what you give your time to, what you are following after, you know, your, your pursuit and, and how you live. This is what the word walk here means. And Paul uses this same term throughout his writings to the church, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. But in chapter 2, verse 2, have a look there. He says it again here. He says, Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And so 
before we trusted in Christ for salvation, we were spiritually under the tyranny of Satan, as we see here. We were under his deception and his destructive devices, and uh, we were in his spiritual kingdom before coming to Christ for, for salvation. And this manifested itself physically in our lifestyle, in our speech, and, uh, and what we consumed our time on, being unsaved. This no doubt manifested. And so Ephesians 4, have a look at verse 1 in Ephesians 4. He says it here again. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. So this word beseech, it means call for, to exhort, entreat, desire that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, he says. And so this is the way a Christian is supposed to use his time, his or her time and, and life that's given to him or her by God. And he says, therefore, as the first three chapters, the Apostle Paul reveals by the Spirit all these spiritual blessings and realities that God has done in Christ, that all genuine believers that are in Christ have and are blessed with, both presently and in future for all eternity. Just to name a few, to, to whet your appetite, to have a look later on. We have spiritual blessings. We've got the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. We're accepted in the beloved. We're redeemed through the blood of Christ. We have our sins forgiven. We have, uh, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have the Spirit of God. We have access to the Father by the Spirit. We've got riches in glory, mansions in heaven. And we, we are a part of his body now. We're part of the, the true church of God. And these are just to name a few. You know, he, that we have peace with God. And he is our peace. We're made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. We're revived. We're made alive in Christ. And so all these blessings is laid out in the first three chapters. In verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore... Uh, and then he beseeches us that we walk worthy of what we have in Christ. And so coming back to chapter 5, we clearly see that the call and the exhortation to a, a practical walk in this life now is based upon our position, our stand in Christ. And so in verse 2 in chapter 5, he says, walk in love. And in verse 8, we are to walk in light, walk as the children of light. And, it, and we are to, where every child of God is commanded to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, that ye fulfill not the lust of the flesh. And, and in our main chapter here, Ephesians 5, it's manifest uh, in somebody's life when they're led and governed by the Spirit of God. Notice in verse, um, in verse 9, he says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And we read also in, in verse 18, Not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, the fruit of the Spirit, no doubt, it's manifest practically, in those that are yielded to 
the Spirit of God. They're controlled by the Spirit. And uh, it, in uh, Colossians 4 verse 5, we see the command for every Christian also to walk in wisdom. And our main passage brings this same thought of walking and living in wisdom. Colossians 2 verse 6, we are to walk in Christ. And it, he says there, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, our position, this is referring to, so walk ye in him. This is referring to the practical aspect. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein in Christ with thanksgiving. And so as we've received the Lord and we're revived and we have newness of life in the finished redemptive work and the person of Jesus Christ, we are to walk, live and abide in him. And John 15 has a lot to say about this, that he's the vine and we're the branches. And we, without him, we can do nothing. We'll be fruitless if we don't abide in, in, in the Lord. And verse 15, coming back to our main text, we read, See then that you walk circumspectly. And so this word circumspectly means cautiously, carefully, discreetly, with prudence, diligence, considering all circumstances before acting, judging or deciding. And this sort of living, godly living, it requires spiritual discernment. Prudence by the word of God in, in order to foresee evil that lies weighed in particular path of life ahead that, that would present itself. The, the walk, the, the, the godly Christian walk is a walk of care, uh, being, to being cautious. It requires knowing and hiding the word of God in our hearts. There's no doubt about that. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, referring to the steps that I take and a light unto my path, referring to the direction I'm walking to and toward. And so we must have coming in this new year, not only for the sake of an end and opening of a new year, but daily we must have the word of God guiding us in our lives. One preacher used the illustration of, of landmines. It said that on, in, I looked it up on Google and it said that there's still 23 million landmines lying under the Egyptian western sands in, in the desert. And so if they were to, let's say, build a community or build a house or build a, a town or a city, uh, that, then they would have to hire mine clearers you know, to, to, to clear the area of these active mines that would explode. And so you think about these people, you know, that have to cover every inch of the land, cautiously walking through the plains, inch by inch. And you think of how physically they would navigate through with their metal, metal detectors that have to be on guard and just taking a, an inch step at a time, covering every, every meter of the land, moving slowly, but, but surely through. And, and you'd, if their metal detector would, would tweak, they would be immediate, you know, take heed, they would stop, that they wouldn't be, uh, there's, no, there's no room to be foolish, but you've got to be focused if you're doing something like this. And there's no, the, the risk is too high to be silly, you'd have to be sober. And, and 
This is the extreme care that I believe Paul is speaking of when he applies this in, in, a, in, our, in our Christian lives in a spiritual sense, to be careful, circumspect, cautious where we go and, uh, and what we do as Christians to guard our Christian lives. It's valuable, it's precious. And uh, he, says, he says, see then, look to it, you know, take heed that you walk circumspectly cautiously with with this illustration in our minds he says not as fools but as wise so here's the 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 two complete opposites so as christians this shows us that we can live in a way that's unwise and that can impact uh, those around us whether they be friends or family or even in the fellowship the unwise walk right into the landmines of life and as a result of not being prepared not having discernment in a, a spiritual mind and being uh, careless you know, in their living, they, they suffer the consequences of it, of their actions. And, and it's unfortunate, but not only in this life, but also for those in, for, for eternity to come. You know, we, we'll no doubt stand before God and, and give an account for everything that we do. We'll be rewarded according to our works, whether they be good or evil. And so the unwise, they, they live out their days outside of the, the, the path paved by God himself, found in, in the Bible. It's an unwise thing to disobey the Lord at, at every time, all times. It's always unwise to do that. Time that we have, it, it should be guarded and used very wisely. Our, our very life... And breath is in, in the hand of God when you think about it. But the, an unwise person wouldn't consider that. They wouldn't be mindful of that. And they live as they please. You know, they, 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 they don't have God at the forefront, preeminent uh, in their mind as they use their time. And so the command in our text, our, our marching orders as Christians in a spiritual warfare is to live carefully. Not as fools, but as wise in verse 15. That's what we see. And in order to be wise with the remaining time we have, we've got to be obedient to the Lord, sensitive to the Spirit of God, uh, endeavoring to learn, you know, how do I be wise? And, and cultivate His wisdom uh, regarding the use of our time. And it's been said or defined regarding wisdom that it's, it's more than just knowledge. It's the ability to process knowledge into practical ability. So it's applying, it's applying knowledge to a real life situation and circumstance. You know, the Proverbs tell us, get wisdom and get understanding. And so you have to have both as we've been hearing and, and learning recently. And it's understanding how to implement God's ways and truth in our life when, when deciding deciding for, for anything you know how, how we're going to live you know i want to live this way instead of the the heathens ways i want to live godly instead of ungodly it's purposing in our hearts and psalm 1 verse 1 blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly there's that word again walketh the man that lives doesn't live in the counsel of the ungodly that that man is blessed he's happy and so it's, it's actually saying, you know, I want to live in God's ways in, 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 and shun every other false way. This is, 
This is what he's saying. And, and that no doubt the prayer of the psalmist should be our prayer. In Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so be, being aware of the uncertainty of time and how once it's gone, it can never be brought back. This should be our prayer. It teach us, Lord, to number our days. Psalm 90 is said to be the oldest psalm ever recorded. The first hymn in the Hebrew hymn book. And at the beginning, Moses, I love what he does. He brings about a right perspective to have in life. He, even, he uplifts the preeminence of the Lord from, from the outset. He says in verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. So he lays the right foundation. And this is similar to how Moses started writing the book of Genesis. Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Bible begins, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So he addresses God in Psalm 90 with his name Adonai, which conveys the sovereignty of God. And this means that God is the owner and master over all his creation. He made everything and is in control of every, every factor of space and time. God, he owns it all. And in verse 2, he says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And so God is eternal, and the fact that he created all things, that includes time. So God, God owns time, and time belongs to God. When we think about time, we normally say, oh, you know, I want to spend my day, I want to go here, and I want to do this. And, but really, we, we belong to God, and time belongs to God. You know, everything that is in the earth and in the heavens it's 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 the lord's genesis 1 verse 5 it says here and god called the light day and the darkness he called the night and the evening and the morning were the first day and so it was god who created our seven day work week on our calendars today and god made it he created the the week and uh, the days within that individual week and so this is the perspective that Moses had, the you know, man of God. And, and likewise, a man of God today, like Moses, he desires to be taught of the Lord, to be shepherded. And he knows he's, he's led and has his steps ordered by the Lord. And he, he delights in his way because God's way is best. And, he, and a man of God knows that. Yet he's utterly dependent still upon God. And he says, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so it's a wise thing, not only to give your time, but, but, but everything to God. There's no doubt about that. Because how we use time as, a, as our blood-bought believers, uh, is, it, it matters to the Lord. And, and so how do you choose to, to use your time? You know, we all make personal decisions, whether we we'll do this or whether we'll do that and it takes time we know and, and the admonition from Paul here is to, to be careful be circumspect how you you live and what you spend your time on and so the question to ask is is how 
you know, are, are you allowing yourself to spend more time on things that eliminate the non-negotiables of the Christian life, such as, you know, daily devotions with God, uh, reading your Bible, being in prayer, worshipping the Lord, do what we choose to spend our time on. Does it, does it out, outweigh and outdo these non-negotiables? This is the question that we should ask ourselves and that will give us an indicator. And uh, with this perspective in mind that Moses had and the petition that he had toward the Lord, this, this if we adopt it ourselves will no doubt help us remain mindful and plan to carry out the will of God through our day-to-day life. And another question to ask before you do anything is will this help conform me into the image of Christ? Because this is the whole, the end goal of, of be, be, being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is to be like him and use time like he used time. And so thoroughly understanding our position in the Lord and the blessings that we have, it should convince us to be resolved, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ, Jesus. And this is you know, what we, we, we should adopt again, this prayer. In verse 16, coming back to Ephesians 5, verse 16 says, redeeming the time. And, and this is, you know, how, how do we apply our hearts to wisdom? Well, it's redeeming time. And this, this means, this word redeem is to rescue for, from, from loss, to improve opportunity. And it's used in this verse, and it's said to mean to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity for doing good. So it's zeal manifested in in well-doing for the Lord's sake, as unto God. And the word is used again in the epistle of Colossians, conveying the same meaning. In Colossians 4 verse 5, he says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And we should always be making a wise decision and every opportunity, you know, taking advantage of it to reach people with the gospel uh, and those that are not saved, you know, them that are without. This would indicate those that are without the Lord, without God in the world. And the, the greatest example of what this looks like, lived out, redeeming time, is, is the Lord Jesus. You know, this is how he lived. Uh, he, he, he lived this way on earth, his, his earthly ministry. In Mark 1 verse 15, he said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus said as well in, in John 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so Christ, we see here, he has a divine sense of urgency and a focus to be given over to fulfill the will of God and, and the work of his Father in heaven. And in the grave, let me just say, it will be too late to be a fellow labourer with God in the lives of others. It will be too late when we die. It will be too late to bring up your, your, your child or children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It will be too late to reverence your husband or, or love your wife like you should if you're married. It'll be too late to get serious about the the God-appointed work that he's given for you to carry out. And uh, the privilege God has commanded, it'll be too late 
in the grave to start pleasing God in our body and spirit, which are his. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 says. He says, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. And so no Christian is called to just be a spectator or just to observe what's taking place and be laid back and, you know, just let others do the job. Or, or, or you know, no Christian is called to be uh, idle in any sense. We're, we're called to be here circumspect, careful, cautious, uh, living in wisdom, walking in wisdom. And so when, we, when you think about the life of Christ, he, he was not, you know, he wasn't unmotivated to do the will of his father. We don't see that in his life. And, he, and Jesus didn't procrastinate. He didn't waste any time. And Jesus, you know, he, he was always about his father's business. He came to fulfill the will of God, the father. Even at the age of 12, he said to his parents, wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. So the fact that you're young, or if you want to say, you know, I'm only this age, you know, the Lord didn't do that at 12. He was about his father's business. So age is, you know, being in your youth. This is when you ought to remember your God. Love the Lord. Enjoy him. In John 20, verse 21, he says, As my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so as God the father sent his son, even so it is that the son sends his servants to, to do and live out the will of God now while it is day because the night cometh where no man can work and so we are to be wise and redeeming time by making him the lord of our life this coming new year purposing in our hearts you know to to, to give it all to him you know our, our decision making our lives what we do how we think and uh, how we behave and and uh, we ought to be abounding and established rooted in the faith that this is the will of god and it's having a prayer like lord i want to carry out your will i want your will to be done more than my own you know lord i want you to lead me and i know your ways are best it's having a prayer such as this you know do i love him enough to even utter a prayer such as that you know this is the question but god's word continues to say in in uh, verse 16 Redeeming the time because the days are evil. When we're not gathered together like this, you know, being washed with the word of God and singing to the Lord, there's so many landmines in this life that can, you know, no doubt, that they're designed to distract us and to steal our precious time. And so we need to be on guard for time wasters. You know, when you think about time wasters, you know, Google has them. You know, if you look up time wasters, you can find how many things to completely take away your time that you can never get back. The world promotes it. And unplanned time, I, I, I would say it leads to, to sin if you don't plan your time because a good illustration is David. You know, he was out of battle, didn't plan his, his days, had excess of sleep and he wakes up, goes to the roof and sees Bathsheba and next minute, He's committed adultery and that led to murder and, he, and then he disobeyed. God broke, if, if not all of the Ten Commandments. And so unplanned time uh, most often than not leads to sin. That This is one thing we should be on guard for. 
Uh, secondly, an excess of sleep. You know, we see the sluggard in, in the Proverbs as a door turns upon its hinges. You know, so, so does the, the, the slothful man, the sluggard. Excess of sleep. You know, the Bible warns us to not love sleep. Thirdly, we should be guarding uh, the time that we have and, and spending it within a vain company or sinful company. You know, the Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. And so if it's not the aim to share Christ with them and they're not saved, we, we ought to be very on guard and careful of that as well. Worldly cares and, and business as well. If it's in excess, you know, we think of the rich fool wanted to uh, tear down his barns and build greater. That this is something that can, uh, you know, a lot of time is used in worldly cares, such as business and so forth. And sinfully too busy. We can be sinfully too busy, where it's on the expense of the, you know, commanded uh, will of God. You know, we're not fulfilling a certain responsibility and God-given role because we're just so busy. And some things that are, that are permissive, you know, God, God maybe would have us and permit us to do certain activities, even they can lead to the exclusion of the commanded uh, activities, you know, that, that he'd have us to do, like Bible meditation, Bible study, witnessing for the Lord. Uh, you know, prayer, you know, devotions with him. If we're, you know, for example, we're permitted to have fellowship, it's a blessing to, to have fellowship. It's actually a, a command in itself. But too much fellowship can cause us to not be in prayer as often or, or, or witnessing to other people. And so if we spend too much time in this area, it actually leads to, to, to rebellion because we're not fulfilling all these other responsibilities if, if you understand what I'm saying and so this is something to be on guard for as well that we don't over overdo it and uh, indulge in in even good things like recreation and um, having you know time together and so forth this is just an example uh, you know sports or working out you know, fitness you know, bodily exercise profits little uh, profits, but only little. So spending how much of your day uh, in, in this certain thing, you know, and, and you haven't read your Bible, then that's not good. And so a preacher once said, we may do what is permitted, but we must do what is commanded. I'll repeat that. We, mu we may do what is permitted, but we must do what is commanded. And so that's the whole point I'm trying to get across. I hope you can understand it. I love fellowship. <laughs> and, um, and so number six, we see as well to, to, to be on guard, dwelling upon ungoverned and sinful thoughts. You know, we're told in the scriptures to think on things that are true and honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, to, you know, to think on these things. But if we dwell so much upon a sinful thought or, or a wicked dream that we had, uh, we can waste time and lose time there as well. And uh, we're actually given the, um, the admonition in 2 Corinthians to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity to the obedience, every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so this is something we should be on guard to do. And obviously, 
this is, you know, without question, sinful, lustful pleasures, they're always a waste of time. It's sinful uh, activity, you know, living uh, in wickedness is, is always a waste of time. And time was never given to us by God to, to spend it living in spiritual or physical idleness or to commit wickedness. Sin, no doubt, has affected, it's, it's infected the way we use and view our time because we've got sinful uh, bodies that are still uh, to be redeemed at that day when the Lord come. And so sin has infected the way we view time and the way we use it. Another thing listed in the scriptures is abundance of idleness. And this was actually one of the sins of Sodom that we read in Ezekiel 16 verse 49. And so idleness is, is one thing we ought to guard against. And we all have to avoid being idle and slothful. And we, we all need to avoid and fight against that because it has two extremes. You can be physically slothful physically lazy like a couch potato and you don't want to get up you don't want to work and we think of the proverbs you know the the man that's wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason he's always making excuses there's a lion in the streets you know physical sloth is is there but then there's the workaholic who's spiritually slothful when it comes to seeking the lord and opening your bible and and, and studying it. You know, the workaholic is more interested or excited, engaged about the, th- the wisdom of the world and, and not the things of God as much as that. He's spiritually lazy. And so if, if someone's married, this can impact their family because it becomes, it, it impacts him leading his home if he's, if he's a husband and he's spiritually slothful and he's always working. The, the family gets impacted because of that. The wife and the children on a daily basis are meant to be nurtured and you know, in the admonition of the Lord. And if the, the father is a workaholic and has no spiritual backbone or has a walk with God, then that would impact his, his family's lives as well. And so we have to be on guard for that, especially those that are married. And we, you know, there's... This is an example of, of how sin has infected the way we use time. Because work is not a bad thing and sleep is not a bad thing. But if you have them in excess and, and, and that, that's when time can be wasted and, and uh, not done to the glory of God. And so there's a balance there and there's the two extremes. And so to get a practical uh, implication of this, you know, how do we learn to be idle in this world? You know, how, how many, like technology, you've got computer games, iPad games, video games, just time wasters, social media platforms, they, all, they teach us and how to waste time, really. We can just, if we're not using them, for example, social media to reach others, family or, or the lost with the gospel, we can be, be wasting time. And, um, you know, feeding worldliness in us. Same as reading worthless books like novels and profitless romance stories and magazines, dramas, things like this that have zero eternal value and they don't edify the soul. So these things can waste our time. And we should value and appreciate 
time and be renewed in this sense by, by the word of God that we take heed in this area. And this is what I believe is taking place here. He's saying, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so this is, this is no doubt what, um, what, I, what, I, what I see and what I bring out of these verses. And um, with all this in view, verse 17 in our text says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so it's, it's God's will. You, know, you can ask yourself many of things here. You know, is it the will of God that I reverence and respect Him more than men? Yeah, absolutely. Is it God's will that I put Him first? Yes. You know, is, it, is it God's will that I love my wife if I have one, if somebody has one? Absolutely. Is it God's will that you give sacrificial service and concern for other people? It is. You know, the, the will of God that we rejoice always, will of God that we let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts richly with all wisdom. And um, it's, it's God's will and understanding it that we can actually apply it and it's, and it's walking in wisdom. And this is where not only we need the knowledge of the word of God, but we need understanding to apply it and actually live it out in our life. And so you know, God has given us, note this one down, God has given us enough time to fulfill all his will, not just some of it. When you think about that, God's given us enough time to fulfill it all. Everything he's called us to do. God wouldn't command us or instruct us to do things that we didn't have enough time to do. We, we have the time, but how are we using it? This is the whole thrust, you know, we should ask ourselves. What, what, what steps even should I take in order that I obey the Lord in this area? You know, in, and we, we should think, think and ask ourselves these questions. Is it going to help me grow spiritually in the Lord? Am I going to be conformed into his image? Uh, this, by, by participating in this or by going here or spending time with this person. Uh, you know, are they saved? Are they not saved? Well, I want to be a blessing. You know, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That, that's redeeming time there. And so I, I, I believe that time is a talent that's, that's given to us by God. And, and we're all going to be accountable to God for the use of our time as stewards that would give account to his master. And, and so how will we use it you know, in this new year? Because I'm just reflecting the whole... We're about to pass a whole you know, 2023. It's basically gone. And so a new year, it will just fly by as quick. But, but how are we going to use the time? You know, and so this is, um, this is the challenge. You know, how many days have I spent doing the will of God or, or doing my own will? And how many, how many times have I known to do right or to pray or to read my Bible, but I allowed hindrances that could even be good things to get in the way of the best thing. And, and we, we, should, we shouldn't allow 
uh, good things to replace the best thing if it doesn't have to. Obviously, there's circumstances that you're flexible with. Like if somebody's, you know, got to go to hospital, you're not going to say, "I'm reading my Bible." You know, you're going to take them to hospital. But you know what I'm trying to say. It's so. This is yeah. It's it's prioritizing and um, yeah. It's not so much a time management sort of message as in going through scheduling and waking up and your bedtime and so forth but all these things are factored you know within to to help make this practical uh in your life and and uh even people that that are not saved and don't know the lord jesus christ the the bible says now is the accepted time and behold now is the day of salvation you know when will when will a lost soul consider where they stand with God. If, if, you know, if, if a lost person doesn't want to get saved today, then, then when will they want to get saved? You know, they just continue to put it off. And, but it, you know, it's an unwise thing to be ungodly. We know that. And we, and we, yeah, we want to seek the Lord now and, and, be, and be saved today if, 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 if you're not. And this is... You know, when, when will someone want to be saved? It's like almost they know that, yeah, these things are hindering me and they're, they're weights in my life and they, they, they hate them. But yet, you, you know, they want to get rid of them, but, but not on the day. You know, they don't want to make a decision to, to put these things off. Uh, yeah, to, to, to help them come to know the Lord. They don't want to put it off continually. And... Um, yeah, I just just think about the fact that time, the time we spend, will impact our eternal destiny. That that really follows it. When you think about it, and so yeah, we ought to. If if, if you're not saved, come to Christ because he, you know we can't redeem time if we're not redeemed ourselves. There's, there's, there's no way you can buy back, redeem time if, if you haven't been redeemed because the Lord redeems our past, present and future. We're, we're redeemed in Christ and those that are unsaved, life is all vain and it's a waste. If, 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 if you know, people don't want to seek the Lord and come to establish a relationship with Him, it will all be in vain. And so Romans 13 verse 11 says... And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So for Christians, the admonition is this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our Lord, we thank you for the time that you've given us. Thank you for your loving kindness and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you're patient with us. Our Lord, we thank you for saving us. Thank you that we can be on the winning side. And Lord, we praise you and we, we do love you and thank you for all that you've done. Uh, in Christ, all these spiritual blessings that we have, Help us to comprehend them and understand them. Help us to be focused, Lord, to do all 
uh, for your glory, to have sanctified hearts, dear God, that would be focused on you and be gospel-driven uh, people. I do thank you, Father, and I do pray and ask of you that you'd bless your word to our hearts and help us to live out, uh, Lord, our days in wisdom, redeeming the time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.